Hi, I'm Matt Falk, coming at you from Hadi Da Studio. Welcome to Past, Present, Future, the only podcast in the universe that dares to appease the ghosts of comedy past, comedy present, and comedy yet to come. Hey, if you or anyone you know live in Saskatchewan, Canada, I'm going to be performing for one night only at The Exchange in Regina this Saturday, January 20th. The tickets are in a link in the description below this podcast. Anyway, let's get on with the show. My guest today is a comedian and writer from Winnipeg, Manitoba. In 2015, he was the runner-up in SiriusXM's Canada's Top Comic at JFL 42 in Toronto. He's worked with Pete Holmes, Jerry D., Deborah DiGiovanni, Dimitri Martin, and many more. He's a host at Rumors Comedy Club and regularly headlines the club. He also consistently headlines the best comedy clubs across the country. He's done TV tapings for the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, Just for Laughs, and Kevin Hart's LOL Network. It's worth noting that he's also been featured on CBC's Laugh Out Loud, two different programs, both great. His debut comedy album, Weird Flex, was named one of the favorite comedy albums of the year by comedian Chad Anderson. He's been featured on Bell TV's Comedy Battle Royale and is on two episodes of the hit CTV show Roast Battle Canada. Please welcome Jordan Wellwood. Hey, Jordan, how you doing? Hey, Matt, how's it going? Thank you for being on the show. We Okay, so uh, me and you have known each other for... A tremendously long time. You are one of, I don't think I'm cool enough to use this term, but you're one of the OGs of the Winnipeg comedy scene. Uh, I don't think we started at the same time, but it would have been around the same time. You were, you have a, you have a head start on me and I, I started young, right? So I, yeah. I started around 21. Uh, but I do remember seeing you host at the club, like before I even got into standup. I, I don't know if you were mm-hmm. like brand new or what. Um, I remember your Iago joke. And I remember being like, who's this kid? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're like getting into comedy, you're like, yeah. you're like, you see it and you're like, I could do that. You know, and I remember seeing I'm like, this is kid. He's younger than me. Like he's doing it. You know, I remember that vividly. Why can't I do it if this punk? Yeah, I remember I was very young. I was like 17 yeah. when I was first getting up in the club. And my first heckle uh, was someone yelled cardum uh, because I was so young. <laughs> but I didn't know I was so young. I also didn't know what it meant. So I was like, what? What is, what, is, car, what is And he's like, cardum. And I was like, sorry, what is, and the guy had to explain it. He's like, like, check his ID, like check your, check your ID. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and that was it. There was no comeback. It was just as awkward. And I was like, I'm Matt Falk and I'm a Mennonite. And then I went into the act. So that was it. But you've been, you've been around for a long time. You, you are not a showy human being. Just in everyday life, just in well, in your comedy, you don't in everyday life. You're very showy, you know, with the you know, you got all the fancy outfits. No, I'm kidding. But in your comedy, you don't like you don't like brag about the things that you've done. You don't. It, it's really, really refreshing. And when I was writing your intro, there were things that you had accomplished that I had no idea about. Oh, really? Yeah. No, that that uh, <laughs> I was like, that's a I guess a, the bio that's in there, and you just when you're trying to write those things, you're like, what's all this stuff 
and you kind of cram it in there. And, you know, when you first get a little bit of a credit, you know, you're like, okay, I got something for the bio now. Everyone was like quoting like, oh, he's been on uh, LOL, like the CBC's Laugh Out Loud. And I was like, oh, great. That's cool. And the more research I'm like, wait a second. No, he was on Kevin Hart's LOL network. Like this is (laughs) this is insane. And like, I don't know. I'm just I'm so impressed with the work that you have done and your ability to like not <laughs> just showboat about every accomplishment you have is also very refreshing. <laughs> I'll take it one step further, Matt. I- I'll say I, d- I can't even enjoy these things that I do. I, I have wow. to, uh, I have to be hard on myself and not, uh, you know, like <laughs> it's like, sometimes you got to take a step back and be like, Oh, it's cool. I've done some stuff, but isn't you know that the truth? Is. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't know. No one likes a, no one likes a braggart. <laughs> You know, that's why I love comedy. You're constantly having the good taste being washed out of your yes. mouth. You can be uh, on stage at the Burton Cummings in front of, you know, a, a couple thousand people. And then the next day I'm back at the city flushing raccoons out of culverts. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is like, that I've your day job? I never to... knew what your day job was. It was. <laughs> it was like I, I worked for the city for like nine years. But that's just one example of the of the constant humbling uh, that comes with this. Like, I, I don't feel like, uh, you get, you get maybe in a half, we were talking about this, like you can kill at a show, uh, you know, headline a, a club, but then there's the time starts clicking down. You're like almost like a famous cool yeah. person as soon as you're done, but then a, a clock's ticking. And as, as, as soon as like an hour goes by, it's 50% less. And if you leave the <laughs> vicinity, there's like a parameter. And as soon as you're like two blocks away, it's That's gone, right. you know? So like, you get to feel cool and then it like it wears off like a you know you took a stimulant. That's so incredibly true. I've never heard it described that way, but comedy fame is exactly like that. There is no lingering or lasting effects of the comedy fame or the high. It just goes away. And then if that's not enough, then you get on stage next week and you tank and then People are like, oh, this guy sucks. And you're like, oh, geez, no. Last year I was a superstar. Last week, last week I was a superstar. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, and, and like you've you've probably seen it. Like you can't let yourself get too too high on your yeah. horse. Like you you know like because uh, it is it's a what have you done for me lately type thing. But on the other side, you know you're right. Like it's probably best to to enjoy the the success. You, you got to enjoy it when it happens because you're the only one who's gonna do it for you. You're the only one who's gonna stop and actually tell yourself, hey, you did a really good job. Because like you said, the fame, the attention, the accolades, they're so short-lived in the industry. So if if we're waiting for other people to tell us, you've made it, you've accomplished your goals, and you're awesome, it's just never going to happen. you know. And if it does, it'll be fickle and short-lived. So we got to do that for ourselves sometimes. Yeah, and it's about the the thing. Like, it's about the time you're on stage. You know what I mean? You got to enjoy that because the rest of the stuff is like, it's it's fleeting and it's kind of dumb. I agree. (laughs) You know, like... Yeah, it's cool. Like, I feel like my my feather in my cap is always, uh, okay, I've gotten some stuff. But that's like over the course of a long time. But it's from Winnipeg, which is like a harder thing to do, which you've carved out a great career for yourself, you know, being from the prairies, which, you know, maybe 20 years ago, people would have thought that was impossible, more or less. But you can get stuff now. And we have a scene here. And, you know, I haven't left. And I'm yeah. like, still getting stuff. So yeah, why would I leave? I remember when when I uh, when my wife and I we moved to BC and then moved to Ontario. There was this article that came out about the Winnipeg comedy scene and how it was all of a sudden like flourishing. And I remember reading that article, going like, "Oh man, I wish I was back in Winnipeg right now." And then it also hit me that it seems like all the Winnipeg comedy scene really needed for itself to flourish was for me to leave. 
As soon as I left, it was like, finally, he's gone. Let's do this for real. Well, I see you out at mics and stuff more. Like you came up through the club specifically, which was something yeah. that was like unattainable for for most of us. And you started there, which was which is awesome. And and what a advantage that is to be in front of like paying crowds right away instead of, you know, eking out five minutes a week at uh, you know a dead open mic. Like you, you know, like why would you take it? It's 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 useful, but it's like maybe for you it felt like a step back or something. I think that wasn't really the reason. The main reason was I didn't know how. I didn't know how to do those open mics. I wanted to be connected to the scene. I, I honestly I didn't know how to do it, and I felt really insecure, and I felt uh, like kind of like on the outs, and that wasn't anything anyone had done. That was just my own mental space, and. It was only, like you said, like it was like a few years ago that I was like, this is ridiculous. I, I have a community here that I've never tapped into because I've been too afraid. So I'm just going to go. I'm going to go out and, and join the community, the comedy community in Winnipeg. And it's been the best thing ever. It's really opened up my whole world. And it's been great. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is like, you know, people talk about communities and scenes and they rise and fall and people graduate and leave and it's an ever evolving thing. But like. I think the bottom line, like, you know, people talk about like, it could probably be intimidating because I'm like, you know, we've all been working together for over a decade and it's kind of yeah. a tight knit thing. But when people see like the baseline is comedy, like well, we wouldn't be friends with yes. each other if people weren't comedians <laughs> like Dan Glassman, you said, he's like, I'd never be friends with any of these people like, but it's it's funny. <laughs> You know, I think so. Dan's told me that specifically. He told me that when we first met, he did not like me. He told me that live on a podcast as well. Anyway, I could chat with you about this for a while, but I'm yeah. sensing a cold presence coming in, my friend. Here we go. I am the ghost of comedy past. Today I take you to the biggest surprise you've had in comedy. Whoa. I like that. Okay, yeah. give me give me give me a moment that surprised you in your career. Surprise, a surprise. Because uh, there are things that we expect in comedy. We know the ins and the outs, what we're doing. Uh, we go to these rooms, we're doing these mm-hmm. gigs. But then once in a while, something will just happen that will just launch us on a new trajectory. It'll open up a new door for us. It will just it will just genuinely take us by surprise. Bring us bring us to one of those moments. You know, you talked about the just for laughs stuff. Um, yeah, I, I did this contest. Uh, the, the I don't it doesn't exist anymore. The the top comic thing, and then and uh, I I went bullet. There's a bunch of you know big headliners or whatever on the show, which took the pressure off because I was like, well, I'm not gonna you know place in this thing. Um, but it went really well, and there was Pete Holmes was a guest judge, and after wow. the show, um, he asked to meet me and uh, wanted me to open for him uh, the next couple of days or whatever. So uh, that was a big surprise and and uh pretty exciting and kind of got to hang with him a little bit and and uh you know hear his side of stuff and yeah i didn't expect any of that but i think it's because i took all the pressure off myself uh that i was able to relax and and have a good time and then the good stuff came from that and and uh, i had a good set and, and he was uh i guess liked it or whatever that's that's really really cool what did you learn from your conversations with pete he was talking about like he kind of got roped into the judging process so he was talking about that a little bit and then this was right before his show came out so he's talking about uh uh you know getting his uh his show crashing he's like i'm working with uh you know judd apatow right now and i was like jokingly mm-hmm. like well if you need like a canadian schmuck 
you know and then like i think he's just used to like <laughs> la actor people actually propositioning themselves like i was yeah, that yeah. I'm like i'm not an actor man like I, that was a joke but he's like oh, i don't know like well you know if we if we need you uh you know we'll uh you know <laughs> i was like no 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 i wasn't being serious so uh but uh yeah no like learn from him like he was just like he was just down to earth really sweet guy and like mm. most most i think talented uh successful comics are it, it, there's like i said there's no real ego monsters out there so yeah the ego monsters tend to be the people that don't have the talent to back it up because if you are confident it's like the unicorn the unicorn doesn't need to be arrogant because the unicorn knows that it's beautiful it's these people that deep down inside they're like i'm not good at this then they get uh then yeah. they get a little arrogant yeah. or you know everyone's battling their demons too and they've got stuff working on but yeah yeah, yeah i agree a lot of demons a lot of demons running around <laughs> it's it's a hot <laughs> year for demons it really is <laughs> But intended. Oh boy. Are you listening to those bells, Mr. Wellwood? Uh-oh. Can you hear that? This means our second apparition is going to join us. Come forth, apparition. Present yourself. <laughs> I am the ghost of comedy present. Answer this. What is the perfect comedy show atmosphere? Oh, perfect comedy show atmosphere. Low ceilings. Low ceilings. I like a dank, busy room, like a packed, like rumors are packed on a Saturday. 250 yes. people. Yes. Low ceiling, dark. Uh, that energy that's kind of like crackling in the air. The other factor I love is is the lineup. You know what I mean? Like some people think, you know, uh, you, oh, you want to follow a dud because then you'll look better. It's like, no, no, no. You want to follow four comics who just ripped it up because – that gets the energy going. So like, I like it, like a, like a, like you said, Oh geez, I like a stack lineup uh, of talented comics. And then you get and get to see where you fit into that. You know, like uh, you've been on those uh, just for laugh showcases. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of pressure for some people, but like for the most part, it's just fun. Cause it's a great lineup. Huh? And uh, you know, everyone's bringing their a game and it's just, I like that. Like that's a fun theater stuff is like, is fun because it's, it's just different, but like, I don't know. I feel like it's a little more, accurate when you're in a you know like a club setting so what are the what are the telltale signs that you can sense when you walk into a room that this is going to be a good show a you're checking the lineup you're going oh what a sweet lineup this is going to kill uh you're looking at the actual shape of the room but you talked about like that crackling that energy can you describe to the non-comedians what that feels like what what are you listening for what are you what are you smelling in the air yeah, it's uh, smelling a lot of wheat. No, <laughs> um, that doesn't help, actually. That works against us. But uh, yeah, uh, it's the, you know, I notice uh, one thing is uh, with the crowd is like, if they're kind of joking around with each other before the mm. show even starts. And if they're laughing at the video, like, you know, they play like, you know, Bingo. Coming, uh, coming attraction stuff. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, they're already paying attention. And they're like, they're excited for comedy. If they're just not paying attention, they're not even like, you know, the videos on whatever you're like that might be like a sign that the crowd might need working in dude that's exactly i completely agree if you're if yeah. they're laughing and loud and chatty and joking around before the show and then as soon as that intro video comes on those crowds that fall deadly silent and they start listening to the video and then laughing at the jokes from the comics on the video i'm like holy cow here we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, there's no, there's no perfect science. You know, sometimes you're like, Oh, this is a good crowd, good mix of young and old. And, and uh, you know, it's not just a sea of blue hairs or even yeah. those ones can be fun, but like, you know, you're like, it's a nice diverse group. Yeah. Um, you know uh, that's another thing that's, that's always fun. But like, 
there's no perfect recipe. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you think it's going to be great and it's a dud. And sometimes you're like, Oh, it's a dud crowd. And they're one of the best, but uh, that's, that's a couple of things I've noticed over the, over the, over the years there. I love, I do love the science though, of like you've done enough shows and you kind of start figuring out just by like, you can hear the crowd from the green room. You can hear from backstage and you can tell, Oh, this is going to work most of the time. I was touring with a guy who had done a ridiculous amount of touring as a musician. And now he was doing some improv with us and and whatnot. And he was incredible at telling how many people were going to be at the show based off of how early the first people showed up. So he would like, we'd be there setting up like kind of thing, like an hour early or whatever, or an hour and a half, let's say. And he'd be like, you see those two people waiting by the, waiting by the front there. He's like, yeah, we're going to have like, I don't know. It'll be like, a, it'll be, it'll be solid show. Like 100, 120, something like that. I was like, Oh, okay. And then all of a sudden one day there was like six people and it, but it was like 45 minutes beforehand. He's like, Oh, this is it. Yeah. This is it. We're going to be sold out tonight. I was like, what? Yeah, we're going to be sold out. It was all stuff like that. And then he was right. And it was like, this is crazy. How are you not? But he was just <laughs> able just, it's one of those innate like subconscious things that you've been doing it long enough. There's just certain things that your brain just picks up on. Yeah, and when you see all the beer cans in the parking lot, you're like, this is going to be trouble. This is, uh, <laughs> I haven't even made it in the building yet, and there's empties <laughs> strewn about. That's another uh, red flag, but uh, oh. yeah, no, that's cool. Like, it, there's no perfect sweet science, but like we all do that, right? We're like, oh, it's uh, uh, a Thursday, and there's a Jets game on, and uh, you know, this it's the equinox, and we're, you know, like we're always trying to like quantify it, and uh, yeah, sometimes you can, you can't. You ever had a you ever have a comic blame the the moon cycle for a bad show? <laughs> yes, the tides are uh, you know out of whack, and uh, I'm being genuinely numbers. serious. I <laughs> I have been on shows where the headliner has said, "Ah, this is gonna suck tonight. It's a full moon." That's nuts. It is. Uh, yeah, and like you know, I don't know astrology stuff. Like the Earth is tilted on its axis at the point where those are no longer relevant. So anyone who oh follows that, yeah, that's a little Bill Nye science fact. What? I've never heard of this. Explain this to me. So, like, you know, people are, like, talking about, like, uh, I'm an Aries or I'm a Sagittarius. Right. You're not. That From the time that that was invented till now, like, the Earth has shifted, so they no longer match up with the corresponding months. Oh, my goodness. Stars. Yeah, so it's all, I don't know. It's nonsense. I, you know, I'm, like, I'm a man of science, you know? So, like, uh, if you, if someone's, like, oh, uh, you know, superstitious, it's, like, no, it's your fault. If the crowd sucked, it's (laughs) your, you didn't do your job. Sometimes they suck, but like uh, that's that's a better uh, benchmark, I think. You know? Yeah, because you see great comics can go in to a bad situation, yeah, and make it better. There's also a group mentality thing that happens with crowds that if they s- start off grumpy, irritable, even like just a handful of them, that can rub off on a crowd. And if the comic isn't prepared for it, if they don't handle it properly, it just can get worse. So sometimes the cards are slightly stacked against you, but I do think that. Um, Nine times out of the t- out of ten, a comic can turn a show around if they want to, or if they if they know how. And that should be the the goal, but it's not always necessarily. The case. No, sometimes, sometimes the goal is just to save face, <laughs> and sometimes saving face looks like just well, this crowd's terrible, so whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they if you're saying that uh, a few times a week, there's probably an issue. Yeah. <laughs> right i don't know what's with the crowds the last 14 years of my career but this has been ridiculous <laughs> it's like society's changed also mr well if you're a man of science explain this phenomenon there was a period of time 
two years ago where me and you showed up to every gig wearing the same outfit. What was that about? Uh, well, I'll explain that to you. Yeah, it seems uh, supernatural to me. We are generic, uh, bland looking guys from the prairies. So we yeah. have about three options mm -hmm. of clothes that we can wear. Yes. And uh, we went for the most neutral. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, the black bomber jacket uh, is just like a nice, flattering yeah. jacket. Covers up my love handles nicely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm rocking some sweet handles and uh, I like to look like a shapeless blob on stage. I like to not to detract, you know, but uh, it's like, you know, in the 2000s, late 2000s, I feel like the, the black V-neck was like the Ricky Gervais. It became the comedy right. form. You're like a stagehand. You're up there. You're not distracting yeah. anybody with stupid graphic tees. Don't worry about me. I just happen to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like and then like we all kind of go for the kind of like muted whatever but uh yeah no we and then i think you were trying to record some stuff and i just bought yeah. this jacket so i'm like i'm like i want to wear my new i'm like that i buy one new shirt and i have to beat it to death like it's a <laughs> pop song that's stuck in my head and uh yeah so we we, we showed up and then like, i'm like yeah like dan last week together we keep referencing um he got glasses i'm like i can't we can't like you're a blonde off, guy dude. Yeah. with a beard and glasses. <laughs> I can't, one of us has to be slightly different. So you have to have that negotiation. Like, I think I took the jacket off one. You took it off the other. Like, yeah, that's, that's right. Good. We, that's, we helped each that's other out. That's, yeah. that's what that is. Yeah. Oh boy. Sorry. Here we go. I am the ghost of comedy yet to come. What's your comedy goal for the next 12 months? Oh my God, the future is terrifying. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's not looking good. <laughs> it's it's hellfire from the raging forest fires. That's where this ghost is from. Like, <laughs> That's right. It's just a burning apocalyptic landscape. So I guess foraging for food. There's a lot of depression, a lot of tears, <laughs> a lot of sadness. A lot of nukes in the air. But That's, That's right. Uh, honestly, I, uh, I'm in a place right now where I'm just trying to to write again and then to... to um, to add to the material and and to keep writing, which means I got to keep going out. So I set goals every year. Um, this year I want to submit to some festivals, and let's be honest, I don't exist on the internet. I don't do videos or podcasts. I should probably start putting some stuff online. I think it's. I think the internet caught on apparently. And, uh, <laughs> Were like you that. betting against it? <laughs> I was betting. I was going full analog would come, make a comeback, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, I don't know. It's stuff that like I think uh, I'm. A, we're on like that cusp generation, right? Of like old guys and and millennial, you know, uh, era of like old and new, and like the idea of constantly putting all of my material on the internet. I've resisted for a long time. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, it's just part of the game now. You know, you got to adapt or die. And I think the longer you wait for people to see you, the better you get. Um, but yeah, I want to start kind of maybe doing a little more promotion and some more touring. Um, and it, at the end of the day, the main thing is just writing new stuff. It's nothing better than like having a new bit that you're excited about, you know? Don't you love it? And are you threatened then by that next generation of comedians coming up? No. Right? You can't be threatened by anybody else. You're in this... You're in a competition with yourself, man. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's stupid, you know, unless someone's stealing your stuff. But uh, yeah, <laughs> the big thing is, is to uh, is to just keep writing. And like, that's, that's right. the thing I'm, we're all chasing, I think. Right. It's just like, oh, I got a new bit and I'm stoked about it. And uh, if you have one or two of those, like something I always have, like something that I'm working on. And it's like, 
I'm slow to produce things. I'm not like a prolific person. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that's what I want to do. 12 months, I'll maybe have two new jokes. How's that? <laughs> that's a really good goal. I'll have three minutes of comedy in a year. Like that's but it's three it's, solid minutes. That's the thing, too. Like it's, it, it's a glacial pace, but yeah. <laughs> it carves carves through the rock, baby. That's right. Yeah. We're talking about an avalanche, my friend. <laughs> Uh, so we're almost at the end. Uh, as always, let's wrap up uh, by talking about what the ghosts have revealed to you. What's the revelation you had? They didn't bring you here on accident, Jordan Wellwood, your past, your present, and your future. What have you learned on this journey, my friend? Ah, oh, well, you know, I've learned that uh, I need to maybe be a little bit more of a cocky jerk, you know? I need to <laughs> – you're saying I'm a little low-key guy. Maybe I need to start – being a little more ostentatious and acting like the macho man, Randy Savage, and just run around going buck wild. I don't know. I have a, I've been told I have a forgettable face. Some guy told me that once. So maybe I need to like jazz it up. You are not forgettable. Uh, uh, Jordan, right? Jordan? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm Jordan? Not, Is it yeah, Jordan? Yeah, yeah okay, Jordan. Yeah. You're, Jordan, you're not forgettable. No, uh, it's so funny that you said that, that maybe you should uh... – uh, because that's what I, I was thinking the opposite when, when I was listening to you talk, I'm listening to you yeah. talk about like Pete Holmes and what you're learning and you went bullet and you kind of just like, you had no pressure and you did your best when you had no pressure and that yeah. you're one of your aspects for a great show is a stacked lineup of really great other comedians. And then when I talk about the future, you know, you're just like, I want to, I want to write new material. I'm going to work on myself. It's not a competition. You're in a competition with yourself. You're not threatened by other people. That I think is what makes you special is the fact that you are <laughs> not bringing a giant bag of ego with you on stage. You are bringing Jordan Wellwood on stage and that's it. You're not competing with anyone. You're trying to be the best Jordan Wellwood that you can be. And dude, you, you look at the stuff that you've accomplished, you know, being on Kevin Hart's network, you know, doing just for laughs and working with these prolific comedians and then, uh, you know, CBC and getting your album out there, Roast Battle Canada. It's like the hottest show right now in the country. You got two episodes out already. I mean, the world is taking notice. And, you know, if there's oh, one thing, if you want to say, oh, sure, I want to be more of a presence online, but at the same side, don't, it's it's your desire for everyone to be great. That's what makes you special, and that's what makes you unique, and that's what's going to keep building the industry and yourself. So I just come on this podcast every week just to get a tire pump. You know, what I mean? <laughs> I'm happy to do it. Pump them up. Um, this was a lot of fun. Where do people find you, Jordan Wellwood? How do they get in touch with you? Uh, well, I got an Instagram account. Like I'm not completely offline. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, you're not. Yeah, it's just it's Jordan Wellwood. Uh, Wellwood with one L. Uh, just Jordan Wellwood um, at Instagram, whatever.com. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what else do I got? I got stuff coming up. It's mostly, you know, within Canada, right? So mm -hmm. I don't know who listens to your, to your cast here, but uh, everybody. We're nationwide, we're international, we're the world. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably be posting some clips. People can check me out. Uh, like you mentioned, the roast battle, which was a lot of fun. I think it turned out good. That's another one. You know, I had to go against two uh, kind of, big name Canadian comics like Sophie Buttle and Tyler Morrison, who is like mm -hmm. a roast guy. Like that's his thing. Right. So I got petted. I'm like, I'm going against the guy who's, you know, number one, he just finished roasting uh, Ric Flair. So, right. <laughs> so I'm like, but I'm like, again, that with the all kind of conversation in context here, uh, you know, it was fun. And uh, I felt like I held my own 
Um, but yeah, people can watch it on Crave. It's on Crave now. Season three. That's awesome. And you can check out uh, Jordan's album, Weird Flex. You can just search him on YouTube and you'll find his uh, his showcase that he did on Kevin Hart's LOL Network as well. Uh, check him out. You're going to love him. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jordan. And a wonderful thank you to the ghosts of comedy past, comedy present, and comedy future. And most of all, dear and wonderful listeners, I thank all of you. Uh, we are in our second season. And you know what? We just couldn't have done that without you. And that's a lot because there's no there's no benchmark for how many people have to listen to the podcast in order for you to publish it. So I could have still done two seasons without you, but it wouldn't have been nearly as much fun. So thank you for your listening, for your ratings, and for your reviews. Hey, I'm Matt Falk. Until next time, God bless us, everyone. 